daily lectionary comments for Numbers chapter 3, beginning at verse 1, and Luke chapter 14, beginning at verse 25. Okay, we come to a new book in the Law of Moses, uh, Numbers. We're going to look at Numbers chapter 3. Uh, actually, I'm just going to describe for you uh, very generally what's going on here, and this will probably help you understand a little bit more how things worked in Old Testament Israel, particularly among the priests and, and the temple. One of the 12 tribes of Israel was the tribe of Levi. And in Numbers chapter 3, we have God selecting the tribe of Levi for special duty. All the other tribes were given land. Levi, the, the descendants of Levi, will not be given land. All the other tribes of Israel had various responsibilities for military service and various things. Uh, and the tribe of Levi is being exempted from all of this. Essentially, God is taking the tribe of Levi as a special group who will be responsible for the administration of things in and around the temple. Now, Aaron was of the tribe of Levi. Aaron's descendants will be the priests. The Levites are given by God to assist and help Aaron and his descendants with their priestly tasks. So in other words, Aaron and his descendants will offer the sacrifices. Aaron and his descendants will handle the holy things within the temple and the, and the tabernacle. Aaron and his descendants will actually perform the priestly duties. The Levites, the whole tribe of Levi, will offer uh, various administrative help. For example, tearing down the tabernacle and moving it whenever it needed to be moved, handling the holy things when it is being moved, for example, or uh, guarding, standing guard, crowd control, and things like that relating to uh, the operations at the tabernacle, providing the various materials that the priests will need in order to do their duties. So in other words, the Levites were set aside to be able to handle things and assist the priests so that they could do their work and focus more completely on, on the, the, the priestly duties for which the whole tabernacle is about. So here's the thing. All priests are Levites. Not all Levites are priests. You, being a priest is not something you could decide that you wanted to be. If you weren't in the proper line of, of Aaron, you could not be a priest, even if you wanted to. And if you wanted to help uh, in the tabernacle, for example, you had to be a Levite. If you weren't a Levite, you simply were not eligible to do this. God accepts the Levites and, 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 and appoints them to this position for that purpose. In the future, uh, the Levites also would play a lot of, of roles in the, uh, in the temple and tabernacle services, for example, in singing. A lot of uh, um, the singing that was done, the singing of psalms and other things, uh, would have been done by choirs of Levites. And, and uh, the priests, of course, would be going about their business as well. So it's important to understand that all the Levites were specially set aside for service in the temple, but not the specifically priestly duties of offering up sacrifices. The priests were all of the house of Levi. They were all Levites but they were specifically authorized by God to offer up sacrifices and to go into the temple itself. Notice that 
being a Levite and authorized to do the things that Levites did, or being a priest and being authorized to do the things that priests did, was an act of grace on the part of God. There's nothing about the priests, the sons of Aaron, or the Levites that made them better people or more spiritual people. God, as an act of grace, um, simply appointed them and accepted their service. And therefore, if you were born as a Levite, then this is part of your duty and you would spend part of your life in rotation um, uh, taking care of the, um, uh, the Aaron and the tabernacle and so on. And if you weren't, that's just simply not something that you could do. Jesus often uses very arresting language. And here in uh, Luke chapter 14, verse 25 and following, no exception to that. Uh, he says things that are arresting and get your attention and sometimes can be even disturbing. Like, I, I do not come to bring peace but a sword and cast fire on the world and bring division and so on like that. He says in another place, anyone who loves his mother or father more than me is not worthy of me. And here we have something even more striking. Jesus says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. This is very arresting language. And it's disturbing. So let's understand what he isn't saying. Normally, when we say hate, we mean I want something destroyed or gone or harmed or something like that. Jesus is certainly not saying that if you want to be his disciple, you've got to hate your father and mother and your wife and your children. I mean, that, that would be flat against the commandment. You're commanded to love and honor our mother and father. So that, that can't be, and that's not what he means. This is an idiom. What's envisioned here is that the kingdom of God is causing a division between you and your own mother, father, your own wife, your own children, your own brothers and sisters. Frankly, it may even be causing a rift within your own life. Part of you wants to go with Jesus. Part of you does not. Your parents don't like you being particularly religious and don't like you being so serious about this or frankly don't want you to be touching religion at all. Perhaps your friends don't want to have anything to do with you if this is the path that you're going to take. Reality is, if you're going to be a Christian, things like that might happen. And if they do, you have to anticipate the possibility. That's why Jesus talks about these two individuals, one that sat down to build a tower, didn't bother to figure out whether he had enough materials to do it, or another who doesn't bother to figure out whether he's got enough soldiers to defeat a larger army. You first figure out whether you've got the resources, not just the resources, whether you want to pay the cost. Now, the cost that we're talking about here is not the cost of entry into the kingdom of God. The cost that we're talking about is the cost of being there. If you're going to be a Christian, you might bear a huge cost. You don't know. That's the whole point. It might even come down to dividing you from your own family. And if that's the case, then you have one and only one choice, really. If you're going to be a disciple of Jesus, then you must choose him. You must choose the kingdom. Even if that costs you your parents, your wife, your children, 
even if it costs you your own life. If you're not prepared to do that, then you're not really being Jesus' disciple. You're dabbling in this. You're following him for a little bit to see whether it makes your life better, whether you like it, whether you want to continue going or not. As long as that's what you're doing, you're not quite in for the whole thing. Now, God will shield you and he will protect you and he will not let so much come over you that you are not able to withstand it. But he makes no promises that the cost of following Jesus for you might be quite high. You don't know. And if this is the way that we are called to honor God, then, well then, if we're to be Jesus' disciple, then that's what we must do. And if we're not prepared to do that, then we need to be honest with ourselves and say to ourselves, perhaps we don't really want to be a Christian. I don't want you to be alarmed and think that if you don't relish the thought of this, if you're not worried what you would do in that case, maybe you're not a Christian. That's not the point of this. We're all weak and we may even fail. We may even make the wrong choice. And then Christ is going to have to come and scoop up our shattered lives and forgive us and set us on the path again. But we do have to understand that following Jesus incurs a, for us a debt of unlimited liability. We don't know what it may cost us. That's not a cost we have to pay to get in, but it is a cost we may incur once we're in. And if we are, if we have to endure that cost, we must pray to Jesus, Lord, help us. Help us to bear that cost, any cost for you.